Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Lord, we want to thank you for this day, uh, for the privilege of opening your word. And Lord, we're, we're praying that we would not just read words on a page, but Lord, that we would encounter you through the Bible, because we know that's the ultimate objective of the word, not just to get more doctrines or memorize this verse or that, it's to actually encounter you, our creator. So Lord, we give you this time. Uh, open us up, Lord, I pray you would highlight uh, to each one of us uh, the portions of the scripture uh, that you want us to apply specifically. So, Father, we thank you for doing this, and we come with an expectant heart. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. <coughs> okay. Genesis 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Zeph, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. See, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. How would you like to live 930 years? That's one long lifetime. And Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enosh. Then Seth lived 807 years after he became the father of Enosh. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enosh lived 90 years and became the father of Kenan. Then Enosh lived 815 years after he became the father of Kenan. He had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. And Kenan lived 70 years and became the father of Mahalil. And Kenan lived 840 years after he became the father of Mahalai, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. And Mahalil lived 65 years and became the father of Jared. Then Machiel lived 830 years after he became the father of Jared, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Machiel were 895 years, and he died. 
Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch. He had other sons and daughters. <laughs> so all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years, became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. He had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived 187 years and became the father of Lamech. And Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. And Lamech lived 182 years, he became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one shall give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Then Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ah, oh, man, that is something else. So, basically, as you're looking at Genesis 5, you're getting an overview of the family tree of Adam. Starts out right in the beginning with Adam, goes 10 generations, and ends with Noah. So, I thought, that's not where I want to put my time. So I want to do something unique today that I've not done before. I want to just look at two verses, literally. That's it, just two verses. And the first is in uh, 522. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years and 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So that's the deal. So as I'm looking at this idea, Enoch walked with God. Uh, there were basically uh, six things that really struck me when I'm thinking of what's it look like to walk with God. Uh, and that's what I like is to center it in on today. Six different things. To walk with God means to walk in fellowship, one. It means to walk with him in service. Three, it means to walk with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. It means to walk with him by faith. It means to walk in the light. And it means to walk in love. So that's where we're headed today, folks. And I want to spend the largest part of my time on the first two. The idea of fellowship. So think about this. Getting back to my man, Adam, here in the beginning. Can you imagine? And I think I've, I've painted this picture before, but I, I can do it every day. It, it really speaks to me. What it would have been like 
if you were Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, which is the Garden of Delight. And why was it so delightful? Was it because there were pretty trees, blue sky? <coughs> I'm sure it was beautiful. But I believe, really, the delight came. They were literally in the immediate presence of God, face-to-face, -face, literally with God. In a sense, they were tasting heaven, because that's what heaven's going to be, folks. Heaven is not just gold streets some days, or you get a pair of wings or whatever. Heaven is being in the immediate presence of God, and that's where Adam and Eve were. They were basking in that presence, and it must have been absolutely marvelous. So when I think of walking with God, have you ever walked with somebody and got so engrossed in a conversation? Literally, you forgot everything. Everything else faded away. You maybe even forgot where you're walking. You were just so entwined in another person's heart or mind that almost for that period of time, two became one. Where you were sharing deep conversation with each other, sharing love with each other, sharing your struggles, sharing your dreams. To me, that's a picture again what does it mean to walk with God? It means to walk with intimacy. We've had that with people. And that is a precious gift that God has given us to be able to have that kind of rapport with another human being. Amazing. When I think of Enoch as he walked with God, I get that picture of they walked together. They literally shared life together. They did that, I believe, on a daily basis. Every day, they were in each other's face, literally, quote, unquote. Enoch walked with God, I believe, on the good days. He walked with God on the hard days. I believe he walked with God on the exciting days, and I believe he walked with God when there were not too much excitement going on. He had a deep fellowship, deep, deep deep fellowship. And you know, when I look at the scriptures, that's not just for Enoch. As we look at one chapter over, Genesis 6, 9, it says Noah was a righteous man. Blameless in his time, Noah walked with God. And even though it does not say that word specifically, walk with God, I know Abraham walked with God in intimacy. I know Moses had that closeness with his creator. I know David was a man who walked with God. John the Baptist, the prophets. Again, people that had established this amazing, deep relationship of intimacy with their creator. And it's not just men. I think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, a lady who walked with God. I think of the sister of Martha. Martha's running around like a crazy woman. And Mary just sits at Jesus' feet and is captivated by the presence of Jesus. I need to learn a lesson, I don't know about you, from Mary. So easy to run around and do this and do that instead of just being quiet and sitting in the presence of my creator. So, 
So basically, how does this, how, how do you build, I want to get practical today, how do you build that kind of rapport with another person? How do you do that with God? Well, I think there's two things have to happen. You have to be able to share your heart with another human being. Not like, how's the weather today? You know, we'll just do the little polite things here. I mean, talking about sharing what's, what's really here in your heart. The joys, the sorrows, the frustrations, the adventures. So for intimacy to occur, one person has to open themselves out to another. And that does make us vulnerable. But it's a powerful thing that we can open our hearts with another individual. And for intimacy, the other person has to hear us. They have to listen. And that's something we maybe are not good. We're good at talking, but many times we're not good at listening. So sometimes we need to just sit there when somebody's talking, really listen carefully. What are they saying? And then in respond back in love to them. I've heard the story that people can be so intimate with each other that after a long period of time, a couple can actually begin to look alike. Amazing that how we can influence each other. So flip that now with God. Think about it. Somebody who is your best friend now, at one point was a complete stranger to you. Okay, think about it. That's how you came from a total stranger to an intimate friend, is you both shared your hearts and you listened. So let's do that and see how that works with God. So I was looking at some of the Psalms. <coughs> and the Psalms are amazing. Talk about openness and vulnerability. I'm just going to give you some of these. Psalm, uh, let me see here. Psalm 5, 1 to 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Hear the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For thee do I pray. In the morning, O Lord, thou will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to thee and eagerly watch. David pours out his heart, but I find that interesting. He's eagerly watching. He's going to listen for God to speak back. Psalm 6.2, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Bad day. Heal me, O God, for my bones are dismayed. My soul is greatly dismissed and upset. But thou, O Lord, how long? You ever been there? How long, God? Come on. Like, get on the stick here. Move. You look at Psalm 13 and verses 1. How long, O Lord, wilt thou forget me forever? You ever feel like that? I told that's not just plain being honest with God. How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? He's just being flat out honest. But the Psalms not only talk about sharing the struggles, they talk about thanksgiving. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. 
So he petitions, he gives thanks, he worships. Psalm 146, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I'll praise the Lord while I live. I'll sing praises to my God while I have been. Okay? So if you want to get intimate with God, folks, be real. He can handle your honest feelings. Tell him exactly how you feel. You don't have to put a front up. It doesn't make any sense to do it. He knows what makes you tick anyway. He sees your inside, so be honest. But we said intimacy is a two-way street. Not only do I have to be honest with God, I got to be willing to listen to him, okay? He has a voice. He wants to speak too. <coughs> so he can speak through the Bible primarily. Uh, that's the way he speaks, through nature, through people, through circumstances. And I find one of the primary ways I feel God speaks to me is what I would call an intuitive impression that he drops into my spirit. Let me give you an illustration. I was just sitting in uh, the living room last night, got up. I was going to do something profound. I was going to go to the bathroom. I mean, this is a really spiritual thing. So as I walk into the bathroom, all of a sudden, boom, there was an impression. It wasn't mental. It wasn't intellectual. It was just something deep in my spirit. And I've been wrestling with some questions in regards to healing. And I felt like the Lord was saying, John, today, you need to pray to receive my peace in this situation. I knew it. How did I know? I just knew that I knew. So be very sensitive to these impressions, these intuitions. I believe they are one of the major ways that God speaks. And most of the time I hear God speak when I'm not looking because I'm not jamming the receiver with all my brain going around. I'm relaxed. So I believe that as we hang out with the Lord, we can begin to discern his voice. And I believe uh, that is for everybody on the screen. When I'm talking about walking with God, that's not just for Enoch. That's not just for Noah. It's for you. I can't underline that enough. I don't want you to keep this locked into a Bible thousands of years back. It's back for them. It's for the superstars in the Bible. No, it is for you. If you want an intimate walk with God, that's up to you. God wants that more than you want it. That's for any Christian, and it all determines how hungry you are to how much you'll receive that. So, okay, let's, let's unpack it a little bit further. So I'm trying to be able to talk to God and listen to him. Well, let me just share with you how I go at it. Maybe it might be helpful. So I always try to start the day with my devotions to start my day off on the right foot. If I don't, <coughs> I feel that I, I almost like I'm out of step, out of cadence. You see people march in the military. It's like, if I don't get it straight in the morning, I'm out of step all day. So I try to tune into the Lord in the morning. I try to do that by opening the word of God. Okay, Lord, where do you want me to read? I try to study it, and, and then I wait for the Holy Spirit to see if he highlights a particular portion of that scripture, where something kind of begins to lift off the page. 
I try to meditate. I try to take certain verses and, and go over them in my mind and memorize them. I have uh, different sheets, one on the Holy Spirit, one on salvation, one on faith, one on healing, verses upon verses. And each day I try to go over some verses to let them drop from my head into my heart. And then I try to pray, try to tell God what's on my mind, try to hear what he might have to say. Now, I would say here, don't stop there. Many people think, okay, I've done my devotions. I've done my spiritual thing. Now I go into a secular world. So they see a distinction between my devotions and real life. From the Bible's point of view, there is no distinction. We start with a devotional heart, and that should kick off in us a devotion all day long, okay? Devotions don't end. Your day becomes a devotion. Your life becomes a devotion. If you never wrote a book, uh, read a book, say Francis of Assisi, wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Amazing book just a, a Catholic priest who had developed such intimacy. He involved God in everything. He told God everything. He listened to God. I like what he said. He says, my time when I'm taking communion with the Lord is no different than when I wash dishes. Everything's sacred to me. It's not secular, sacred. I do everything for the Lord. So he lived a devotional life. And as we do that through the day, there's different things. You could take times just to worship him. Maybe put worship music on. Maybe throughout the day, you just give thanks for something God's given to you. Maybe as you're going to work, you see an ambulance coming in the opposite direction, and you take a moment and say, Lord, please be with that person. Touch them. Maybe you share with God a deep struggle in your heart. It's all day long. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's sharing your entire life with the Lord all day. So walking with God, number one, means fellowship. Number two, I believe it means walking in service with God. Let me make it very clear. There's two ways to serve God. One is serving for God. And some people say, okay, I got to serve God, so let me figure out what I want to do, and I'll make my plans, and I'm going to do this, 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 this. But basically, I am the initiator of what I'm doing. That's working for God, but there's a better way to do that. Don't work for God. Work with God. Let him be the initiator. It says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 9, for we, for we are God's fellow workers. So it, it's a tandem thing. We are God's fellow workers. And I, I think, okay, uh, how does that happen? And I think a way that becomes clear is if you look at Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, <coughs> Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my load is light. 
a yoke basically on two cattle, an experienced cattle would then have an inexperienced animal next to them. And the inexperienced animal would have to stay in step with the experienced animal and would have to stay in cadence and in rhythm. And when I hear Jesus say, take my yoke, he's saying, basically, take my, stay in step with me. Don't initiate your work for me. Listen to what I'm doing and then join me. You see, that's the way I believe Jesus lived. Listen to this, John 5, 19. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. The father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And greater works than these, he'll show him that you may marvel. That to me is the ultimate key to walking with God in service. It's being so close to Jesus that you would know what he is doing in a given situation. What would he say? What would he do? It's not being independent of Jesus. It's literally leaning into Jesus, waiting to hear what his next step is for you. It says this in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. If I understand that correctly, <coughs> God has good works planned for each of us every day. He said they're planned from way back. All we have to do is say, okay, Lord, show me one of those works today. And when you show me, I'll seek to be able to perform them and do them. So how do you do that? How do you sense what Jesus is doing? And this leads to number three, walk in the spirit. Galatians 5, 25. If we live by the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. If we live by the spirit, walk in the spirit. That is a skill that needs to be learned. I think many of us, we're, uh, we're aware of our physical bodies. <coughs> I've been doing some, I don't know, crazy allergies or flu. and My body's been messed up. And it's got a lot of my attention. So we can be wrapped up in our pain. We can be wrapped up in our passions and our temptations. We can be wrapped up in our souls and our minds are perpetually rolling. We can be wrapped up in our feelings. But the most important part of us is our spirits because the Holy Spirit actually lives. If you've opened your heart to Christ, lives in the depths. And I find it interesting that we can go out to the gym and we're going to work out. We're, we'll develop the physical body. Man, I want to look sharp. And yet we neglect our spirits, which is the most important part of us. It says this in Romans 8, 11, The sons of God are led by the Spirit. There you go. God wants to lead you and me through the Holy Spirit in your spirit. So to hear God, many times we have to quiet our bodies. We have to quiet our minds. We have to quiet our emotions and try to tune into that gentle whisper deep inside of us. I, I, this is challenging, folks. This is my cutting edge. 
Uh, I do not have this down pat at all, but I know that's where I need to go. At least I know the direction I need to be. And I think it holds true for each of us. So we need to walk in the spirit. Four, we need to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> we like tangible things. There's times where God shows up and it is glorious. It is so, so special. I mean, God is real, but I'll tell you, nobody lives there all the time. And you can have an, a, just a burning bush one day and the next day, like, what happened? Everything evaporates. So most of our Christian life is not just getting a spiritual high. It's learning to walk by faith and trusting the Lord, because that's how the Bible says we please him. So I'm sure Enoch walked by faith. He trusted God. And the Bible says, uh, number five, we need to walk in the light. It says this, uh, you were formerly darkness. But you now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light. That's basically moral character. So what's that look like? In Colossians chapter 3, 8 and 9, Paul says, But you also put them aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self, with its evil practices. So to walk in the light means to give up the old ways of doing our own stuff. But it also means to put on the positive. That's verse 12. And so those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, Whoever is a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also do the same. And ends here. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That's the last one. When I think of walking with God, it's a love relationship. It's receiving God's love. It's loving him back. It's passing that love on to other people. In Ephesians 5, 2, it says, walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God. I believe Enoch walked in love, not just with God, but I believe as he interacted with people, the love he was receiving from God, he passed on horizontally. And that is the ultimate, to me, the ultimate demonstration that we're a Christian. I believe we're a Christian only to the proportion that God's love flows through us. That is it's not whether you're the most famous speaker or you're in the highlights of life. Doesn't, it's not that. It's how much of Jesus' love flows through you to touch other people. So to walk in love. And that means it's a sacrificial love, not just a nice, feely, uh, good feeling kind of a love. It's a love that's committed. I don't believe Jesus had nice, warm, fuzzy feelings when he was on the cross. No way. It was painful. It was terrible. 
but he was committed. And that's what real love, that's what Christian love looks like. It's commitment to God and it's a commitment to our fellow man that I'm going to love you sacrificially. That is a choice I make and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to make it a reality. So folks, that's it. Uh, I would challenge you today. Enoch, walk with God. That is your privilege. Please hear what I'm saying. This is not just for Enoch. It's not just for Noah. It's not just for David or Mary. If you want this intimacy that you hear in the Bible, that is your opportunity. So if you don't have that desire, then ask God to give you the desire. But that's what makes life full here. And that's what heaven's going to be about. Perfect fellowship. So walk with God. Fellowship with him. Walk with God as you serve him. Not working for him, but work with him. Learn to discern what he's doing through the day. And then join him. It's so much more easy. It's so much more enjoyable. And so much more effective to find out what God's doing. <clears throat> Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, I'd have to recommend that book. I think it is very powerful. Many times we have that as a connect group, but I don't know anybody that does a better job to unpack what it means to hear what Jesus is doing and then do it. And then learn to walk by faith. Learn to walk in the spirit. Learn to walk in the light and learn to walk in love. Let's pray. Father God, just very simple words. Enoch walked with God. I pray, Lord, that you would put that desire in each of our hearts. Stir that in us, Holy Spirit. Put a hunger in our hearts, put a thirst in our hearts to fellowship, to walk with you all day long, to share our life with you, the good, the bad, the ugly, to take time to listen to what you might be saying to us. So, Lord, just stir that up in each of us. Use us, Lord, as channels of your love as we walk into the world. So thank you, Lord. Put your blessing on each one of your brothers and sisters. Use us, Lord, to carry your love out into society today. And it's in your name we ask it, Lord. Amen.